There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a cold of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on September the 11th, 2013. For any newcomers that tune in, I'd advise you to make good use of the website CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. Lots of uh, talks to download for free right go through the system and it truly is a, an intricate system, well-organized system that we're born into. It's not the one that's portrayed by your schooling and your education of any kind or even by the media for that matter too because they take over from education. And um, it's completely different. In fact, you're run by private organizations of very, very rich people who set up a long time ago, 100 years ago or so, at least in the open that is. I'm sure they had been on the go for many, many centuries before that. And these guys were the richest people on the planet at the time, the, uh, the international money lenders to, to whole countries, in fact. And they set up foundations as charitable institutions. And so they were tax-exempt, basically. I've gone through the Norman Dodds uh, report, too, and, and, and different ones on, on the reports that the U.S. Uh, Congress did into these private foundations back in the 1950s. And he was told by uh, by them, actually, by the Ford Foundation especially, and the, the CEO said to him, he says, well, we take our orders from the White House, he says. And uh, what they do is they, they form a, a parallel government. They lobby governments, in fact, and it appears to the public that it's just coming from the citizenry, all these lobby groups that are demanding things, but it's not. They're coming from private organizations, big, massive, multi-trillion dollar uh, tax-free, tax-exempt foundations. So they get what they want. So they're the parallel government. And they also, uh, surprise to Dodds was that, uh, they supported all the left-wing causes and the right-wing causes. They supplied every side with their story, basically, and their funding. And it's quite surprising to most, that most people don't even know that nothing's changed to the present time. They have more money to splash around and put in these paid, uh, um, politicians that serve the private organizations. And these foundations also set up other links to the think tanks and so on, which they still run today and advise all governments across the world on policies uh, and social policies of every kind you can imagine, and foreign policies too. So we're run by a global elite, basically. The whole plan, of course, uh, was to go global and dominate the planet, bring in a scientific elite to run the, the general public and experts of every kind, and also to bring up the, the children uh, with with uh, special politically correct indoctrination from schooling, even from kindergarten if possible, and lots of government agencies to deal with children. They're already doing that in some countries like Scotland as a trial country for testing out new forms of of, uh, child advocacy, where the government gives you an advocate uh, at birth, basically. You're appointed, is appointed by the government, and they come into your home uh, and spend right up to the age of about 20 years old or so. And they do psychological evaluations on you and make sure that uh, 
that, and that you're being brought up politically correct with all your opinions, etc. And no doubt, too, they'll refer you for some kind of lobotomy or drug uh, therapy if you have different opinions as a child. So we're really in the, 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 the brave new world scenario. That's where we're going into now. We're in the middle of the Orwellian type mixed with, with the brave new world scenario and it's all coming together as we as we speak naturally but nothing out there really is real as far as the truth is concerned there's always spins on everything and the mainstream media of course and all the big moguls that came out with the who took over the media a long time ago make sure that, that the media is, is and news is standardized so, so we all prattle about the same things across the planet thinking we know it all and that's the whole idea. Most folk, unfortunately, think it truly is the truth. They question nothing. They can't believe that all these different, all these reports coming from different papers with the same stories can all be wrong. It doesn't occur to them that it's a league that's working uh, in concert, and all the stories come from a couple of news wires that are controlled by, again, the ultra-rich and ultra-elites. So we're, we're bamboozled, we're conned our whole life long, and I go into the art of chronology in my books and so on at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. So if you want to keep me ticking along here, you can help me by buying them and the discs as well, because I go through this uh, in detail, basically, going back a long ways, because it's an old organization that's running the world today, and their descendants have, have taken up the slack, of course. That's the whole point of being a global elite. They live for their progeny, their own offspring, and to, to make sure that they come into a world which they still dominate and they can control it for basically ever. So if you buy the books and just at cuttingthroughthematrix.com, you can, as I say, help me tick along here because it's expensive what I do. I don't bring on advertisers, as you well know, and I certainly could and might have to eventually because I'm, everything's plummeting right now and inflation's going through the roof as the dollar is worth less and less and less uh, for purchasing power, that is. And then they say, well, we've got 10 more years of this to go. Well, it sounds like indefinite because it ties right in with the whole agenda of so-called austerity. Remember, from the U.S. to Canada, you can still use personal checks to order the books and discs. And from uh, and you can also use uh, a postal, international postal money order from the post office. You can use PayPal or send cash. Across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram and PayPal to order. Remember, straight donations are seriously welcome as we go through a very, very hard times. But the whole idea of monopolization is, the, is, is, is in your face, actually, today, with companies swallowing up other companies until you have monopolies on food, uh, on farming across the world with the GM boys, and you have monopolies on, on everything. And, and, of course, with the media, it's monopolization of ideas and the news itself. News doesn't mean truth, remember. It's just data. And news has always been used for, for propaganda purposes from its inception. Even the town criers that was around England and do their hear ye, hear ye stuff and so on with the bell, uh, it was all coming from the, the royal court. It was all authorised. The guy who said it couldn't change anything at all that he was reading. He couldn't give any personal opinion. He was just to spout out the propaganda to the uneducated masses, basically. And that's where we are today. We think we're getting lots of, of data, but, but we're not. We're getting spins on everything. As I say, we're run by a clique, basically. A clique that's been on the go for a long, long, long time. And uh, money controls the world. We're, we're all, every policy depends on, on money and, and all the con games involved in money. People get rich by handling other folks' money, not by actually making and producing anything of value. The richest folk handle money. And, and they get in charge 
off private centralised banks, for instance. They have their own private clubs. They meet at the Bank for International Settlements and the IMF. And they, they live like a lifestyle that you would not believe. They don't worry about anything at all. They live in a different reality completely from you or I. They know all the cons because they, they actually run the cons on money, where, where they raise the value of particular currencies and, and deflate some other, some other, other countries' money system and then make a fortune, a killing off the profits that they, they glean from it all. The whole thing is for their benefit, not for yours. But it also keeps you all under control. And your governments are constantly prattling on about money and deficits, etc., etc., and they never explain why the system is the way it is. They will never change anything in the system to stop it. No country is going to start simply taking charge of its own production of money and stop borrowing from private lenders. It won't happen, folks. Because, you see, we're living in the lender's system. They gave you this system. And you've all been taught it's quite natural. A long time ago... They talked in the 1700s, in fact, about the whole the whole system, which already was was working across Europe at that time, of private banking, central banking, and, and money lenders, and all the rest of it, and how they'd already taken over. They've been behind revolutions, in fact, for centuries in Europe, and um, and they talked about uh, how they could take over a country and use the whole country as one big business. Most folk don't think about it like that. They think, oh, there's lots of little businesses and little stores. No, forget it. These big boys look upon all of you and the gross domestic product as their one big business, you see. And including the money that they make sure that your government will have to borrow from them. And they also put on, and today, with the Royal Institute for International Affairs, private organization, comes from foreign relations, same bunch, private organization, they make sure that they put in their own boys at the top, and their own historian, Carl Quigley, talked about that. He was in charge of their archives. So the guys at the top are all placed in there by the guys that run the world's money supply. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix And it truly is a matrix, isn't it? With so much deception going on And it's a daily deception too, all your whole life long in fact From mainstream and so on As I've mentioned before, that nothing comes out from the mouths of politicians at the top That isn't scripted for them by the scriptwriters And the scriptwriters actually are more important because they're, tra- they're trained uh, Where they're trained we'd never find out But they're on the same global agenda They know the agenda And they know what to write for presidents and prime ministers And uh, and that's how, how how really all things are controlled today there's, there's no You can't expect to get truth from, from governments Governments have never been in the business of telling the public the truth And if you go back into the writings even of Francis Bacon He talks about that too uh, when you give a, at least to write sort of resumes to, to kings and queens across Europe, and Machiavelli was one of them too, to show how cunning they were. And, uh, and Bacon was the same too. He actually wrote uh, different things for, for the king at the time, trying to get in his good books, and he said that the public must never know the real machinations behind, behind things, the real reasons behind things, and give them simplistic reasons, etc., etc. But it was quite interesting to read that all that time ago, being done back then. 
And I think it's probably been much, much older than even that, in fact. Probably goes all the way back to, to governments itself being established. Now, governments, a long, long time ago, started off with um, just, just a, a gang of, of uh, powerful families uh, taking over and killing the ones next to them, the other second-class powerful families and so on, until they ruled countries. And then they only ruled countries, too, to help protect themselves or protect you, let's say, uh, against some guys over there that were often their cousins. If you look into the history of Europe, all the wars that they had for such a long, long time, it was often cousins of your king fighting cousins, you know, across the water in charge of another country, like France or somewhere. And uh, it's a great game because, and a good strategy too, because you get a nationalized everything. You're all in it together. That's the standard thing to say about war. And it keeps you all uh, subservient to those that have to save you, you see. It's very good. But as I say, the, the same boys came in that, that funded all of this too and said, my God, you know, we can make a, a fortune on all this war stuff and, and keep it going forever and ever and ever with these tactics. And sure enough, Britain was at war with so many countries one after another. Uh, it was just astonishing, especially after the central bank was, was basically, basically put in there, the, the Bank of England. And they'd borrow money from all the moneylenders to, to fight these wars. Uh, mind you, the taxpayer paid all the back. And uh, it was a fantastic deal for the bankers. And, um, and the thing is still going on today, of course. Now, any government, a government at all, um, it should be going by the same rules that you have to go by. If you can't afford to buy something, don't buy it, you see. And, uh, and, but that doesn't work with government. So they put you in prison for not signing up to the rules, but they don't go to prison themselves. Neither do the bankers that scam you twice a century by tradition, by plundering you all. That's the way it really is, isn't it? And nothing changes, of course, as they plunder you. They always do a lot of prattling and so on, but nothing changes to stop them from doing it again. Naturally, they're not going to give themselves or close that back door that they have there. It's always there because it's their system. But money is power in the system where they control money. So private organizations own your money system. They own your governments. And they own all the big NGO or non-governmental organizations that are constantly lobbying a government for, for, for changes to laws and so on, or, or going into international agreements. Just agree, agree with everything, sign it, and get on with it. Because it's all to do with a global takeover, you see. Not just global takeover, as I say, it's a planned society they want in the future with planned families, certain families, and other ones won't wouldn't have, wouldn't have children at all. You won't be allowed to have children if you're on the bad list. And, uh, and sci-fi writers wrote about this a long, long time ago, the coming system, because they got all their information from the futurist societies and the big think tanks that already worked for the big bankers. So anyway, as I say, news is data. And news can be used to divert you from other things that are happening. That's, that's, that's always being used. And, of course, uh, they don't want you looking at certain things, too, because you're not supposed to think about certain things at all, in fact. And uh, we find, for instance, that uh, this drumbeat for it to finish off Syria has been... It was going on, actually, before Syria was even heard of by the general public. Uh, in fact, it was going on at the time, even before they, they bombed Iraq into the Stone Age. Uh, because I've mentioned before that the, that the, the CFR and in the PNAC group and all the rest of them talked about the list, the list of the famous list of countries they'd have to take out. So did Israel, they published it all too, because they were surrounded by these countries and Israel has its own agenda, you see. So we're not supposed to think of that either, but of course it has its own agenda. You've, you've grown up and lived with it years after years after years of, of warfare, warfare, warfare. 
But this article here came out, and it was The Guardian, I think it came out first of all. Uh, actually, this one's from the Cleveland Challenger. It says, U.S. media suppressed 2009 United Nations report showing that Israel used chemical weapons against Palestinians. And I can remember when that happened, uh, the white phosphorus was raining down, you saw on, on television and so on, and the clips that you were showing. And, um, and yet the media suddenly clammed up about it. All media at the same time clammed up. I mean, that's quite a powerful thing to do. But some people are more equal than others in such utopias as George Orwell. Depends who's getting rained down upon, isn't it? But it says here that a few major mainstream American news outlets exposed the sordid details of a 2009 United Nations fact-finding report that revealed how Israel's military illegally aimed chemical missiles at the United Nations Relief and Work Agency for Palestinian refugees in a 22 invasion day invasion of the Gaza Strip that began 2008 called Operation Cast Lead, which means bullets, of course. And this is, as the US and world media watched to, or to learn of claims that President Barack Obama uh, will execute a military strike against Syria without a vote of Congress or the support of the United Nations, the same media outlets are burning information that suggests preparation for war could be premature, and little media attention is being paid to claims from a United Nations commission that Syrian rebels, not the government soldiers under President uh, Assad's control, were responsible for recent chemical weapons attacks that killed over 300 Syrians. It says, during our investigation for war crimes against humanity and war crimes, we collect some witness testimony that's been made to appear that some chemical weapons were used, in particular nerve gas, says Carla Del Ponte, member of the United Nations Independent International Commission of Inquiry on Syria. What appears to our investigation is that this was used by the opposition, by the rebels. We have no indication at all that the Syrian government have used chemical weapons. This was also questionable is why Obama has drawn a line in the sand over highly questionable allegations that Syrian soldiers used chemical weapons when the Israeli military was proven and officials have admitted to using chemical warfare to attack a United Nations relief compound. The facility provided shelter and medical attention to Palestinian refugees in 2009. And it says a Cleveland challenger obtained a copy of the 575-page uh, 2009 UN report and I'll put that up tonight to the UN report that a fact-finding mission headed by ex-South African Judge Richard Goldstone prepared for after investigation of the events surrounding Operation Cat's Lead. So there's Israeli missile and ground assault in the Gaza Strip began December 27, 2008. I mean, there was no outrage there. Where's the outrage? Outrage happens when the media gets in and tells you to be outraged because folk can't think for themselves. And it's so easy to get them outraged, just hit emotive topics and use the right words. It's all, it's formula, basically. Anyway, it says, it says, and it ended on January the 18th, 2009. The attack resulted in an estimated 1,100 to 1,400 Palestinian deaths. 13 Israeli soldiers were killed, four died from their own friendly fire. The invasion was stimulated by Israel's claims that rockets were being fired at Israel by Hamas militants. Three Israeli civilians and one soldier were killed by Hamas rockets in the days leading up to the assault that led to an estimated $1.3 billion in damage to Palestinian property and businesses. And it goes on and on and on with what Israel did then. They even herded a family of 29 people into a house and then they bombed it. I mean, again, you're, not, you're told not to have outrage. And it's a strange thing, this, this, this thing, because... Even when the people see it on, on television news and so on, unless they're told what to think about it, they, they've been trained not to think about certain things. Depends who's doing what, you see. You've actually been trained from birth. And it's ongoing your whole life long. 
I'll put this article up tonight along with the United Nations report on what happened there. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix. Also this article too came out, it says the NSA is sharing raw intelligence, including Americans' data, with Israel. And it said that um, it's also got the, the agreement, the U.S. agreement, I'll put that up tonight too, with Israel on, on this sharing. But it says here that a secret deal places no legal limits on the use of data by Israelis and American citizens. Uh, only official U.S. government communications are protected. The agency insists it complies with rules governing privacy. You see, they make exceptions for different different peoples and countries. Uh, as I said, I'll put that the NSA and Israel's memorandum of understanding up tonight to the link for it. But it says, um, the agreement for the, two, for the U.S. to provide raw intelligence data to Israel was reached in principle in March 2009, the document shows. The National Security Agency routinely shares raw intelligence data with Israel without first sifting it to remove information about U.S. citizens, a top-secret document provided to The Guardian by whistleblower Edward Snowden reveals. Details of the intelligence sharing agreement are laid out in a memorandum of understanding between the NSA and its Israeli counterpart that shows the U.S. government handed over intercepted communications likely to contain phone calls and emails of American citizens. The agreement places no legally binding limits on the use of the data by the Israelis. The disclosure that the NSA agreed to provide raw intelligence data to a foreign country contrasts with assurances from the Obama administration that there are rigorous safeguards to protect the privacy of U.S. citizens caught in the dragnet. The intelligence community calls this process minimalization or minimization, but the memorandum makes clear that the information shared with Israelis would be in uh, a pre-minimized state. Uh, So to get the raw data... The deal was reached in principle March 2009, according to an updated memorandum, which lays out the ground rules for the intelligence sharing. The five-page memorandum termed an agreement between U.S. and Israeli intelligence agencies pertaining to the protection of U.S. persons repeatedly stresses the constitutional rights of Americans to privacy and the need for Israeli intelligence staff to respect these rights. But this is undermined by the disclosure that Israel is allowed to receive raw, sigilant, it's called, signal intelligence. Uh, the memorandum says uh, raw and uh, includes, but is not limited to, unevaluated and unminimalized transcripts, gists, uh, or gists, facsimiles, uh, telex, voice, and digital network intelligence metadata and content. According to the agreement, intelligence being shared would not be filtered in advance by the NSA analysts to remove U.S. communications. And the NSA routinely sends ISNU, the Israeli Signet uh, National Unit, minimized and unminimized raw collection, it says. Although the memorandum is explicit in saying that the material had to be handled in accordance with U.S. law and that the Israelis agreed not to deliberately target Americans identified in the data, these rules are not backed up by legal obligations. So that, I don't know if you... There's an article that came out a few years ago about Israeli uh, going across, Israel's, uh, Israelis going across the world by Mossad teams just knocking folk off in other all countries. So I guess the same thing will be happening in the U.S. 
This is in a statement to the Guardian and NSC spokesperson, and there was a propaganda specialist, did not deny that personal data about Americans was included in raw intelligence data shared with Israelis, but the agent insisted that the shared intelligence complied with all rules governing privacy. (laughs) So so they've covered every base by just passing rules and laws that allows them to do it. So they've broken no laws. That's what government does, doesn't it? When you, when you know that they're breaking their own laws, or even the U.S. and the Constitution, uh, they just make a, a, some, some, some law to bypass it. It's like when the U.S. Congress gave themselves the right to use insider trading data for personal gain, and that's what they did. They just gave themselves, passed a law and made themselves exempt from prosecutions. And this one, too, the full document I've put up tonight is the NSC in, in, in Israeli Intelligence Memorandum of Understanding the Full Document, too. And also it comes out in Ars Technica, it says, The New York Times provides new details about the NSA backdoor in crypto specifications. It says, The paper points a finger definitively at the long-suspected dual EC DRBG algorithm. Uh, today the New York Times reported that an algorithm for generating random numbers adopted in 2006 by the National Institute of Standards and Technology contains a backdoor for the NSA. The news followed a New York Times report from last week which indicated the National Security Agency had circumvented widely used but then unnamed encryption schemes by placing backdoors in the standards that are used to implement the encryption. In 2007, cryptographers Nigel Ferguson and Dan Schumo presented research suggesting there could be a potential backdoor in a dual ECDRBG algorithm. It goes on and on and on. Anyway, it says, Today the New York Times says that internal memos leaked by Edward Snowden confirmed the NSA generated this particular algorithm. Publicly, however, the agency's role in development was significantly underbilled. In publishing the standard, the NIST acknowledged contributions from NSA, but not primary authorship, uh, wrote the New York Times. From there, the NSA uh, pushed the International Organization for Standardization to adopt the algorithm, calling it a challenge in finesse convince the organization's leadership. Eventually, the NSA became the sole editor of the international standard, according to one classified memo seen by the New York Times. And it goes on and on and on. This is the new freedom they talk about, you see. The new freedom is a freedom if, the, if you can actually generate an original thought and figure things out and, and, and be able to converse to other people or convey what you actually know. Uh, then, then you, you've, you've broken through. But most folk can't break out, you see. Brzezinski said this back in, uh, his, in his book in the 1970s, Between Two Ages. He says, the public will be unable to think for themselves when they watch the media and the news. They'll expect the media to do their reasoning for them. And they do. They give you your opinions, even though most of it's nonsense. So anyway... Here you have it. Uh, this is the new freedom, and uh, and if you have the ability to be free and think for yourself, good luck to you. Because most folk can't, unfortunately. They're so well trained and conditioned, and I mean conditioned. You're trained. You're trained from childhood not to even look at certain topics, and certain words set you back to default, rather than look through them and say, "Well, maybe I should think about this more." You won't do it because you're, you're set by default, Pavlovian style. Sunstein goes on about that technique quite often, in fact. Also tonight, too, this, <laughs> the new freedom again. Apple iPhone, uh, it's called the 5S, 
Big Brother dream come true, the latest series of Apple's iPhone will not only continue to cultivate numerous apps that track your locations with GPS and transmit data directly back to corporations and government, but can contain a fingerprint sensor that stores your fingerprint in order to purchase the apps and unlock the phone for use. And it says, and that's just at the beginning, as millions will most likely continue through uh, the Apple food chain and purchase the phone, the NSA and bloated federal government at large will be beyond ecstatic. Because after all, it's a real dream come true for Big Brother or Big Daddy government spy state. No longer will you actually need to be arrested to gather your fingerprints. We're talking about millions of nationwide people willingly submitting their biometrics to a database that most certainly is accessible by Apple and the government. But, well, it is true, yeah. He said, but don't worry, the same company that has given away all of your chats and personal data through the NSA's top secret prison program says that you're perfectly safe. Security experts and high-level tech analysts, however, seem to disagree. In addition to the facts that it seems the consumer's trust is all but dead in regard to Apple and its ties to the spying grid, it seems these safety features are actually quite vulnerable in reality. To the point now where hackers can access a massive database of fingerprints just waiting to be taken and utilized fraudulently. Well, maybe the, maybe your country is just, and Apple's just handing them over to other countries. Who knows? Probably are. So, of course, Apple claims that fingerprint scans will be local on your hardware, but, of course, the NSA and FBI would not let such a precious database go to waste. And we already know that corporations are making big bucks spying on the data of consumers. So in the event that Apple is holding some of these fingerprints, despite what they say, the print is also used to verify applications, which leads me to believe that, that this at least would be stored through a third party. A database of fingerprints could be compromised and don't think encryption will stop much. And it goes on to the secret, uh, a security specialist on CNET saying, so can biometric auth- uh, authentication be hacked? Certainly. I'm sure that someone with a good enough copy of your fingerprint, some rudimentary materials engineering capability, or maybe just a good enough printer can authenticate his way into your iPhone. The final problem with biometric systems is a database. If the system is centralized, there will be a large database of biometric information that's vulnerable to hacking. Well, that's the whole point of it, isn't it? Mind you, too, I mean, even in some of the movies they've been showing us for years and years and years, you see all these spy movies, and, and you'll see them making these little latex fingerprints of someone else's fingerprints from a glass or whatever, and using the fingerprints. There's so many ways you can do these things, isn't there? Uh, I mean, that's just the way it's set up to be, actually. Also, in Australia, it says, the asylum seeker policy sends population of private jails soaring. And it says that prisoners um, in private prisons have increased more than 90% since it privatized it in 1998. 90% increase in inmates. It's a profitable industry, isn't it? Australia has a higher proportion of prisoners in privately run jails than any other nation in the world, thanks to its asylum seeker policy, a report says. You know, there's nothing they can't make money off. All money comes from people, one way or another. For the big boys at the top, back with more after this. (music) 
Hi folks, this is Cutting Through the Matrix and talking about how all, Marx said it too, and Marx did have a a lot of good points too, mind you, because he knew all the top people who ran the banks, so he knew all the scams that were going on, but he said all, uh, basically all wealth comes from labour. Some kind. It's in other words, the bottom for the ones who make things because you're tax silly, you see, and all the rest of it. And the boys at the top profit from you, and so on, and so on, and so on. And your government also acts like a um, they, they collect the taxes and hand it to their private corporations, big, the biggies, you see, all across the whole planet now because we're global. Anyway, it says here that, uh, that the population in Australia's privately run prisons has increased 95% in the past 15 years. Now, why has it done that? It's because they've handed it over, uh, the, the, the prison systems, to, to handle these asylum seekers. And there's 28,711 prisoners, uh, just, I think, in, in, uh, um, in the last 2011, it said, asylum seekers. Why are there so many asylum seekers? Because, you see, these wars across the world, in the Middle East and so on, are driving folk out into other countries, Western countries and also to Australia as well. And uh, and that helps the multicultural global aspect too. That's all part of the whole agenda, folks. And then, of course, the guys who want the private prisons to handle this work this out long before they start the wars even. We'll start make money off this in a whole bunch of ways you'd never even dream of. That's how it's done. That's really how it's done. Also, the so-called BRIC nations, the BRICS nations, are set, uh, to set up about $100 billion fund to weather currency storms. So supposedly, and this is the con of it too, it's the need for BRICS, Brazil, Russia, and India, China, and South Africa to create a contingent reserve arrangement to counter a sudden outflow of foreign capital is difficult to understand. Well, you understand, well, we are already under the World Trade Organization and, and the Bank for International Settlements, all run again by the same private bankers that run all the central banks and so on. They own them all. And the BRICS countries are being conned into thinking they create one separate, you see. But by the same guys at the top, I guarantee you, through front agents, they, they open, own all their, their ones as well. They've been at this for centuries, these characters, you know. But it says, BRICS is an odd grouping of countries with little in common other than the fact they're not yet first world and is trying to replicate a multilateral institutional arrangement when a time and crisis tested one already exists, namely the International Monetary Fund. I guarantee you it'll be run by the same boys. You can't win in this system until you look at the problem. You can't win. You'll never get out of it until you look at the problem and discuss it openly. Also, in Britain, it says 95% of mortgages are not weapons of mass destruction. The Chancellor, they call him the Chancellor, the guys in charge of the cash, George Osborne says. So he insists large home loans are part of a healthy market and uh, aspirational society. Well, for the ultra-wealthy, they are. And it says, um, he's used his speech in which he hailed the wider uh, recovery of the UK economy to fight back at critics of his housing policies. Several government schemes have aimed to get lenders to increase mortgage availability and affordability. Most controversial of all has been help to buy, whereby the government underwrites high loan-to-value mortgages for very, very expensive places. This removes some of the risk from lenders and enables them to offer cheap loans to borrowers with small deposits. How can you have an honest government, or even call it your government, when your government's working with the top bankers and making the laws to, to, to help the top bankers plunder you? Hmm? It says the model has drawn criticism from all quarters, including business secretary Vince Cable and even some lenders themselves, who are probably left out in the cold, you see. 
But the Chancellor said Monday that the average loan-to-value ratio for first-time home buyers has fallen from 90% to 80%. That's why the government's help to buy scheme is a sensible, time-limited and necessary financial intervention to fix a specific financial problem. The dramatic reduction in availability of high LTV mortgages, he said. So that's what government's in the business of doing. And always have been, by the way. Every politician, as they're going up the ladder, clues in to how the system is, is working. There's all these hints and, and drop, they, they drop names around them and so on of who's running the country, really running the country. And, and they know how to play the game, understand. And all this democracy stuff is a good con, is a good, otherwise you'd have revolutions every five or ten years, you see. Subtle revolutions and rebellions. And that's what they call the parallel governments. They make sure that they put their own boys in at the top of all parties, left, right, whatever. Doesn't matter. This article, too, says a science-based rebuttal to global warming alarmism. September 10, 2013. September 23rd, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, that lying institution, the United Nations, is scheduled to release the first portion of its fifth assessment report. And it says AR5 will conclude once again that mankind is causing dangerous climate change. But one week prior, on September the 17th, the Non-Governmental International Panel on Climate Change will release its second report called Titled Change Reconsidered, Part 2. It says my advanced review of the CCR2 shows it to be a powerful scientific counter to the theory of man-made global warming. And it says... 193 of 194 national heads of state say they believe humans are causing dangerous climate change. The IPCC of the United Nations has been remarkably successful in convincing the majority of the world that greenhouse gas emissions must be drastically curtailed for humanity to prosper. Well, don't forget, this is another big con by the same big banking boys who helped draft up all these laws to do with carbon taxes and all the rest of it so that they would profit from it. And even Lord Rothschild put a law through in Britain, that um, the private, the family private bank in Switzerland would, would handle all all these climate, these carbon taxes. So masses of money will go through from the whole world through his private central bank. It's not bad dealing, eh? but it's also to bring you under into austerity, so governments can have more agencies and so on, and 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 literally as they want to do and have always wanted to do, raise you from birth to death, basically, uh, with government agencies running your lives. Minutely. So anyway, it says today 193 of 184 national heads of state say they believe they were causing climate change. The IPCC was established in 1988 by the World Meteorological Organization and the United Nations Environmental Program. And don't forget all these big foundations, Rockefeller Foundations, brothers and so on. They've all been the guys that have been helping set that up for a long, long time to, to rule the world properly, you see. Because it's not properly ruled right now by these guys at the top. And they must convince the public that you're to blame for everything. Standard technique. And give you lots and lots of propaganda. Uh, the so-called scientists, so they're on board with it, are getting massive paychecks and grants. And they're never going to give up this lie. Never, no way at all. Uh, and it's been used for political purposes. And for, for changing societies and so on. And to enrich those who are already stinking rich. And give them even more power over the planet and all of us. That's what it's about, folks. I mean, Pachuri's been caught in so many lies, uh, head of the IPCC, and all he was, his, his, he's not a scientist, he, he was a, an engineer for a railroad company. I mean, you know, and there was a driver who got the job, and in his spare time he turns out all these porn novels. I mean, these are the characters they pick up, they have no morals at all, 
and can be easily used uh, to, to enhance themselves financially and so on. And by the way, he is too. Paturi's already raking in the cash and putting all these grants towards private businesses he's involved with. Everything is a racket, folks. Everything's a damn racket. And also, they're trying to pass that big tax in the EU bloc country, the new Soviet bloc. The new updated Soviet bloc is better. It's more super than the old Soviet bloc because they're putting through the things through there which the old Soviet bloc didn't even get to. It's an advanced form of communism so that the elite could rich, live awfully, uh, awfully well at the top, just like they did in Russia, but even better. This is imposing a financial transaction tax in 11 European Union member states would be illegal, according to the bloc's lawyers. The controversial tax aims to discourage risk-taking by taxing transactions of shares, currency, and bonds. They actually want to do it for everything, even your checks. Folk, that's where it's going to go. Every check that you write and so on, every e-transfer into, into for a bill or payment or whatever is going to be taxed, folks. You always lose at the bottom. It never goes to what you think is, is going to go to. Never, ever. It doesn't happen that way. Also, this Article 2 and is from the Washington Times. So September 23rd, again, the IPCC, the, uh, the Panel on Climate Change, Schedule Team and so on, it, it talks about uh, the CON. The CON of it goes more into how they created this gold standard of climate science, and it's in quotation marks, gold standard, and it's quoted by all governments of the world, etc., and how they, they pulled all this off, and, and how and the guys who are involved in it, Al Gore and so on, and all these characters who already have set up their organizations and raking in money for carbon taxes, etc., etc. What a racket. Everything's a racket, isn't it? Medicine's a racket. Everything's a racket, folks. Government's a racket. you got to use your own minds. As Albert Pike said, those who won't use it are stake on the table and beasts of burden by choice and consent. And he was a Pope of Freemasonry behind the big revolutions. From Hamish Mosiah, Frontier, Canada, it's good night to me, your God, or your God's go with you. <laughs>